Welcome to a Why Is This News edition of the Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com, your SB Nation blog covering all things Ohio State Athletics 24-7, 365 days per year. My name is Matt Tamanini. I'm one of the co-managing editors for the site, and I'm joined, as always, by one of our Land Grant contributors and editor emeritus, the lovely Buckeye herself, Bleeding Green Nation's Alexis Chase and Alexis. What the hell happened on Saturday? I don't know, but I'm still excited. I'm still having fun. Like, finally, this is what I had waited all season for. I was really hoping that it was going to come true. You know, I got my hopes real high. I was like, maybe they were just saving it all for Michigan. (laughs) Maybe they were just looking ahead seven weeks for Michigan. And I don't care if it was true or not. It seemed that way. And boy, was that like fun. That was actual fun football. That was fun football. And what was even more fun, Alexis, is that both you and me, two of the lowest predictors in our predictions pool, picked Ohio State to win. So we are we are moving on up. I don't know where yet. I haven't done the calculations, but we're moving up heading into uh, the Northwestern Big Ten Championship game. We're going to talk about that championship game here shortly, Alexis. But before we do, on the Why Is This News edition of the podcast, we talk about the biggest news from the last week in Ohio State Athletics. And Alexis, first thing we have to talk about is the fact that Dwayne Haskins is getting all of the awards. He first started off the week on Monday by earning his sixth Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week award. Now, if you're thinking, oh, that's pretty good. Six, that means he played 12 games. Half of them, he was the best offensive player in the entire conference. That makes it even more impressive. Then you find out that Dwayne Haskins now is the record holder for the most single-season Big Ten Player of the Week awards ever. Big Ten football, a lot of good players. What's even more impressive is the fact that, Alexis, did you hear whose record that he broke? Drew Brees, right? Or Barrett? No, those were like uh, different passing and touchdown records. He broke Drew Brees' touchdown passing record. He broke Curtis Painter's passing yards record. But in terms of individual single-season Player of the Week awards, he broke the record previously held by Troy Smith during his Heisman Trophy campaign. So Dwayne Haskins, another thing to put up on his mantle. Really impressive, especially because he's not going to be here next year. So he's got all of them that he can get. (sighs) We'll get to that too. But that was Monday. We'll get back to Haskins on when we talk about Wednesday. But on Tuesday, Ohio State, for the first time that I can remember, only had one player selected to the Big Ten all-conference defensive team, and that was Draymond Jones. The No individual award winners, no first-teamers other than Draymond on the defensive first team, no first-teamers at all on special teams. However, Drew Chrisman was the second-team punter. And Ohio State defensive end Chase Young made the second team on both the media and coaches' uh, second teams. So it, it just feels weird, Alexis, to say we've got these teams, we've got these, we've got these all-conference teams. There was a total of three Buckeyes selected. We normally have like three Ohio State players on the first team defensive line. Well, and if you look at the rest of the Big Ten, like, sure, the conference started off really strong, but, you know, Penn State wasn't quite what they were. So at that point, it's like, why aren't there more Buckeyes? It's not like there is this, I don't know, like overflow of talent throughout the rest of the Big Ten. And don't get me wrong. I mean, they're obviously talented teams and some of them had really good runs. But, you know, if they're choosing all you know, Michigan players, it's like, look what we did to their defense last week. Like, what are you doing? 
Yeah, and as opposed to Ohio State not getting anybody, um, just from the coaches, Michigan had Chase Winovich, Rashawn Gary, uh, Kenley Willekes, Devin Bush, Levert Hill, David Long, and Will Hart, their punter, all on the first team. That's, Can I that's- also say that Drew Chrisman totally was, I don't know, shafted by them Job. choosing? Yeah, they chose the Michigan's punters, punter of the year, like – I don't know. That's just disrespectful after everything he's done this year. I get they skipped him the one week, you know, fine, whatever. But overall, on the whole season, that's just crap. It, it definitely was. I, I'm not over the one week snubbing of Drew Christman <laughs> following the Michigan State game. But the one thing that really makes me even more um, angry is where's Big Bob? Big Bob <sighs> has been the anchor of that line. And I'm going to I I love Draymond Jones. I kind of feel like Bob Landers might have been the more consistent defensive lineman for Ohio State this season. Hasn't done as big of the fancy stuff, but that's not the player he is. But he has been super solid. You don't see him getting beat on that line, but you do see Draymond getting out of position at times. So I I think let Big Bobby, let Big Bob get the all-conference team. He deserves it. Shame on you, Big Ten. Hopefully Big Bob will be back next year so he can dominate again for his senior season. Well, and they're really just shooting themselves in the foot. I mean, he was going to probably pass out more gushers. Like, oh, Can you imagine? I know. What are they missing? <laughs> well, we might have missed out on Ohio State players on the defensive conference teams, but we did not miss out on the offensive side of the ball. Dwayne Haskins getting the recognition that he deserves not only was the Ohio State quarterback named the Greasy Breeze quarterback of the year for the Big Ten. He was also named the... Graham George Offensive Player of the Year, two awards that if he didn't get, I would have rioted. I would have driven to Chicago myself <laughs> and figured out where their new offices are. Um, and See projected. if your key card still works. Yeah, key card definitely does not work because the offices <laughs> were in Park Ridge when I worked there. Um, but yeah, so Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins was the quarterback and uh, Offensive Player of the Year. Ohio State also had some other players selected to the first team, wide receiver, H-back Paris Campbell, and... Isaiah Prince? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Isaiah Prince. That's the guy who can't ever get the snap count right, right? Yeah, but yeah, okay. I mean, good, okay. good for just him. Che- yeah, just checking. Um, second <laughs> team, uh, J.K. Dobbins also made it. Michael Jordan, uh, the center, not the basketball player. Um, oh, so for those three or four games of all low snaps, we're just going to oh, overlook dude. that? Not just the, the low ones, the slow ones. It's the slow snaps that have driven driven me crazy all season. The one that seemed like they take forever to get to Haskins, and by the time Haskins actually is able to catch the ball, the defensive line is already in the backfield. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, then on the third team, we saw KJ Hill get recognition uh, from the media, as did Demetrius Knox. We're going to talk about Demetrius Knox, unfortunately, here in a second. Uh, KJ Hill. Hill, another guy could come back for another season, but I kind of sneaky think he's gone and he's going to cash in some NFL chips next season. But uh, we'll, we can talk about that uh, at some point, Alexis, because I know you are our draft expert here at LGA. It's draft season. <laughs> I'm so excited. Yes, it is. But speaking of draft season, I wanted to go here because <sighs> yesterday on ESPN's Get Up, that morning show that nobody other than me apparently watches. <laughs> Um, cause I watch, I, I mean, what the hell else am I going to watch in the morning? Um, one Mel Kaipa Jr. said that he has Dwayne Haskins as the number two quarterback on his big board, which means that would put him somewhere in the 10 to 15 range uh, of this class. Then we saw, um, a couple other that the CBS draft prognosticator 
had Nick Bosa going number one and Dwayne Haskins going number three. Uh, it, so we're getting to the point now where, Alexis, this is something you and I have talked about from before this season even began. There really is no reason for Dwayne Haskins to come back. Now, I know, but I think he needs to. And I'm going to be over here on my hill and I'll just hang out here until he makes his decision. Yeah. Now, from a developmental standpoint, I think it would act. I think that it would absolutely behoove Dwayne Haskins to come back, whomever his quarterback coach and or offensive coordinator might be next year, because we don't really know if it's going to be Ryan Day or not. But when you're talking top 10, top 15 money, you got to go. I mean, that's not money that's going to be guaranteed to him next year, depending on who comes out this year. He will probably have to deal with Herbert from Oregon this year, but he might come back. Then you've got Tua Tungavailoa, you've got Jake Fromm, you've got Jacob Eason. There are going to be more quarterbacks in the 2020 draft than there are 2019. So while I think it would definitely help him become a better quarterback, I think it would be, <laughs> no offense, Tate Martell, I personally would feel much more comfortable with Dwayne Haskins quarterbacking Ohio State. Dude's got to go. I mean, I just it, it. everybody has their own decision making process, and I will not fault him if he wants to come back. He does whatever's best for him. I'm not saying he has to go or he's an idiot. I'm saying from a logical, emotionless perspective and financial and financial perspective, just from a lot like, you know, rah, rah team. This has been his dream to play at Ohio State forever. So if he wants to come back, I'm not going to fault him for that. But just like, look, that's money that you might never get back. One in your one injury away from never playing football again. Sign the contract, get the signing bonus, get into the league and start that money making process. Because on a sport that is as violent as this and as a position that is literally the focus of 11 large humans trying to kill you. Get the money. Just take the money, Dwayne. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree in most of those points. <laughs> I do think, I mean, obviously I want him to stay. I think he would, like you said, benefit from staying developmentally. I just, and don't get me wrong, I know personality-wise and work ethic-wise, like it's, completely different but it has the same vibe to me as like the Johnny Manziel craze where you know he had a Heisman winning year he decided to go to the NFL and aside from all the off-field stuff like just solely based yeah, on yeah, yeah. performance he wasn't ready to be an NFL starting quarterback and if you're a first round pick and you're not day one ready as the starter um, I feel like it's a little bit harder to you know, start at number two and get to number one versus you start at number one and you like go back to number three on the depth chart because you're not performing the way a more developed or experienced player would. So I just think he's going to hurt himself a little, but I mean, is the money and all that worth it? And is the risk bet like worth the reward? I'm sure. But I think he needs to stay one more year. Yeah, you have, you make a good point. And I don't have the stat right in front of me, but I think it was something like I don't remember exactly what the number is, but there have been very few quarterbacks drafted um, that have gone on to have whatever successful careers who only started one year in college. However, I don't remember someone, maybe a listener can can tweet us and tell us what this stat is, because I've seen it bandied about here a lot recently. But it's just the quarterbacks that end up being successful in the pros are the quarterbacks who have more experience at the college level. I totally get that, and I agree. But it's just at some point you have to look at the bottom line. This is generational changing money. The signing oh, yeah. bonus you would have as a top 10 to 15 pick, and if he goes and balls out at 
uh, at the combine, which I think he will. I think you can get into the top five even. I mean, if you if someone really falls in love with you, it only takes one team. That's huge amounts of money. I mean, we're talking 20s to $30 million. And even if you break your leg and never play football again, that is, you know, whatever the signing bonus is, obviously you don't get all of that. But like that's that changes yeah, your life forever. Sam Bradford is the richest man to sit on the sideline for eight years. So it's definitely <laughs> not bad. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know. It's like we, we were saying about Nick Bosa back when he was making the decision mm-hmm. whether or not to come back. It's like when somebody's dangling 20, 25 million dollars in front of you, are you really going to say no? No, you're not. Especially if you're a 20 year old kid who still does have so much like football future ahead of them, but also knowing that one injury and that could all be over. So um, I definitely think it's probably the smart decision, but from an actual like athletic perspective, yeah, I'd like on the field. to stay. Yeah, totally get that. So we're going to have to wait and see what Dwayne Haskins eventually decides, whether that is after this week or after the bowl game or after a potential playoff run. Um, We can just figure out if, depending on where Ohio State ends up going, whether or not he's going to play in a bowl game. But that's we'll, we'll deal with that. But unfortunately, there is one player that is not going to have that opportunity to make a decision about his future. And that is Demetrius Knox, the offensive lineman in really a really... I feel I so bad for this it's kid. It's so awful. Demetrius Knox, offensive lineman, uh, was injured in literally the last competitive play against Michigan, and it looked like it broke Urban Meyer's heart on the sideline. Ohio State was up 62-39. to 39. They had the ball in the red zone. They were going to run offensive plays to try to get to a very nice total of 69 points, but Demetrius Knox goes down, and as soon as you see it, they showed a picture of Urban Meyer who felt you could see the guilt that he felt on his face when he saw that Demetrius Knox was lying on the ground and Demetrius Knox, as it appears, they haven't really disclosed a whole lot about it, but um, it appears that his uh, season is over as a senior. It appears that his Ohio state football career is over a few days ago. He tweeted out, it's been real Buckeye nation. Thank you. uh, With a picture of him and urban from that game at senior day, Uh, just really heartbreaking. I, I don't, I mean, he was, Obviously, he was an all-conference, you know, selection, um, and at least from the media, I think. So I hope that he's able to rehab at least to some extent, get ready for the combine, and maybe pursue an NFL career, but a really heartbreaking way for him to go out. Wyatt Davis will be starting in his place, a former five-star recruit on the offensive line. So I I think that Ohio State will be fine from an on-field perspective, but really, really sucks for Demetrius. Yeah, you just feel so bad for the guy, but hopefully he... uh... I don't know, isn't bitter because I feel like in that in that particular game, even when you're up by an insane amount, you still got to go for more points. I mean, you're playing Michigan and I just hope he's not bitter that he did get hurt and what some could consider garbage time. Oh, no. It was garbage time. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But uh, <laughs> well, I was having fun. I didn't think it was garbage. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll argue with uh, Bill C's definition of garbage time later. But this is an, a rivalry where you go for two because you can't go for three. So I, I would have been fine if Urban would have gotten a touchdown and gone for two to make it seventy. But that's neither here nor there. That didn't happen. Unfortunately, Demetrius Knox's football career, at least at the collegiate level is over. But Ohio State did win that game 62-39. to That means they are off to play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. We're going to talk about that game first, 
We're going to talk about that game, but first, before we do, there's one more bit of news that we have to get to, and that was Tuesday night's college football playoff standings, rankings, whatever you want to call it. And Ohio State, despite the throttling of Michigan, only moved up to number six. Now, personally, Alexis, I think that's fine. Uh, it, the, yeah. the top six are Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, Oklahoma, and Ohio State. The thing that I have a little bit of a problem with, and I wrote about this uh, last week after the the rankings kept Ohio State at 10 before they played Michigan, the selection committee constantly moves the goalposts on what they say that they value and they consider. I understand. I Look, anybody who's read anything I've written all year knows that I have been very judgmental about Ohio State, their performance, and specifically their coaching staff. So this is not a homer defense of Ohio State. But when you look at Oklahoma on paper, and when you look at Ohio State on paper, you say, I'm not 100% sure that Oklahoma's a better team. Um, you look at the fact that Oklahoma has the best offense in the country, but depending on what metrics you use, Ohio State's five, six, seven. Then you look at the fact that Oklahoma's like the 111th defense in the country, <laughs> and Ohio State's at like 45 or 50. So, yes, you look at... You watch the games, you look at them on TV, and Oklahoma is super impressive. But their offense is also buoyed by the fact that nobody in the Big 12 even tries to play defense. Would their offense be as successful if they were in the SEC or the Pac-12 or the ACC or, heaven forbid, the Big 10 when it could be an apples-to-apples comparison? I don't know. But I just don't see the difference being as big as the committee seems to make it between Oklahoma and Ohio State just based off of the metrics that they say they are using. If you just want to say to me, Alexis, look, Ohio State has struggled a lot. In Oklahoma, yeah, they've struggled. They almost lost to Army. They had to go to overtime against somebody, or they only won against Oklahoma State by one. I get that, but you just want to say, look, we think they're better. That's fine, but don't keep telling me you're using X criteria. And then when X criteria no longer says what you want it to say, you said, ah, never mind, we're using Y criteria. So I'm a little annoyed by the selection committee. I am, uh, I've am i gone from a few years ago not winning a playoff at all because it devalued the regular season to now being fully on board an 18 playoff where the conference champions get in with three at larges. But I just, I'm kind of over the selection committee and their nonsense. Well, yeah, they've been nothing but nonsense since the first year. And they do this every year, it seems now, as they take a couple of teams who are either going to be, um, you know, big network or a big draw audience draw or, you know, teams that they're like, well, it'll make people mad if we put so-and-so over so-and-so. So we'll just put them at like five and six. We'll let the conference championships play out. And then hopefully we won't actually have to make a decision because the teams will do it. You know, like if Oklahoma loses, this isn't a conversation anymore. But, you know, you don't have that. And you have a CFP committee who just makes up whatever they think is important. And honestly, the eye test is probably what takes the cake most of the time. And you can't remember what happened 12 weeks ago. <laughs> That's true. And, and look, I, I don't, I, you know, a lot of people are talking, well, there's a bias against Ohio State. There's a bias against the Big Ten. They're thinking about rings. I, I honestly don't think they consider that. I, I believe the committee, when they earnestly say, we're just looking at what happens on the field. But the problem is, is that the way they say they're looking at it isn't consistent. It just well, isn't consistent from week to week. So just tell me we want to pick the four best teams that we see. Don't tell me you're looking at analytics because you're not. Right. Or to be perfectly honest, I wouldn't be surprised if they 
we're keeping Oklahoma up there because of the Baker Mayfield effect. Like, I feel like people, you know, still have that, I don't know, the air about him that now Cleveland has that, you know, they're just trying to ride the coattails of that season. And, um, I yeah, don't I don't buy that. I don't buy. It. I, I, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm on anti tinfoil hat conspiracy theories. Uh, not that that was one, but a lot of people I don't have. I think the, that's a tinfoil thing. I eh. just think it's, you know, like they, it's a business. They want to draw a big audience, and drawing a team that had Baker Mayfield and had such strong fans because of him may pique their interest a little more than a team that's not. Here, this is not a conspiracy theory, but it's close. So. Consider this, the two teams that they're really going to be talking about, because I believe that Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame are in no matter what happens. Win, lose, or draw, all three of those teams are in, in my opinion. How do you feel about Notre Dame? I think they're going to get rolled by whatever team they play in the playoffs. By any of the other three teams that get in, I think they'll get beat. But they're not dropping out. They're undefeated. They're not getting eliminated. So, assuming that Georgia loses, because if Georgia wins... That's it. Oklahoma and Ohio State are out. But if Alabama wins and Georgia is no longer in the equation, the discussion will come down to Oklahoma and Ohio State. Gene Smith, the athletic director for Ohio State, is on the playoff committee, which means that any time they talk about Ohio State or Oklahoma, he has to recuse himself. Okay, fair enough, because the Oklahoma athletic director is also on the committee. So anytime they talk about Oklahoma or Ohio State, he is going to have to recuse himself. Fair. However, Frank Beamer is on... The selection committee, Frank Beamer, Virginia Tech legend, no real connection to Ohio State or Oklahoma, except when you consider the fact that his son is on the staff at Oklahoma, has to recuse himself because of that personal connection. So what that means is that the normally 13-person playoff committee is now down to 10. Of the 10 people remaining in that conversation, five are directly tied to the SEC. So I'm not saying that there are any types of... of out-and-out biases that SEC people have towards the Big 12 or the Big 10 or Ohio State or Oklahoma. I just think that there is an unnatural, inherent bias by the fact that you are taking half of the deciders in this process from one area of the country who value a certain type of football, who have certain perspectives that hear from the same types of people. If you really want to have a diverse committee, you have to make it diverse. You have to make sure that you are getting the voices and the minds from people that are representative and not confined to one very specific thought process. And so I think that there's a real problem when you're looking at this, when you're saying, We've had 13 experts. Three of them can't help make this decision. And half of the people that are left are probably going to be coming at it from the same viewpoint. So that's the problem that I have. Get rid of them all. Well, don't get rid of them because you're going to have to figure out who the extra three people are after the Power Five Conference champions get in. But let's just let's just move on. Everybody knows that eventually it's going to get to eight teams. Let's just do it and get this farce over with. Yeah, I'm all for that. And I'm also just all for people to stop arguing about eight teams. Yeah. Just go to eight. It's, it's, don't go to 16. 16 is too much, uh, but stick at eight. If if you want to say that independence and, and group of five teams get an automatic berth, if they meet certain criteria, totally fine with that. Let the other two be at larges. That's fine. But let the five power conference champions in and then just make this easy so we can real ha- so that we can focus on what's on the field. So speaking of what's on the field. Ohio State is playing Northwestern. We aren't going to get into this game a ton because Patrick and Colton did a fantastic job of breaking down the strengths and weaknesses of Northwestern's team in the podcast yesterday. It was really great. I've listened to it. Really good analysis as to 
what the defensive scheme will look like for Northwestern and how it is almost the exact opposite of what Michigan did. So Ohio State's going to have to change its game plan when it comes to attacking that defense. And if they don't change their game plan, Patrick seems to think that that might pose a problem. Colton, on the other hand, expects a blowout. So, Alexis, that brings us to our predictions. As I said, we have shot up to the middle of the uh, LGHL (laughs) predictions rankings because we ventured out to where only about half of our predictors did and said that Ohio State would beat the University of Michigan Wolverines. So, riding that one-game correct streak, what are you going to do for the Big Ten championship game? Well, probably slide way back down in the rankings. But you know what? (laughs) Last week was, I don't know, probably the fourth or fifth week, I didn't pick Ohio State to score 60. And look what happens. So against Northwestern, I'm going 63-10 Ohio State. One more time for posterity's sake, putting it in the books. I love it. 63 to 10. And then if they end up playing Alabama in the in the college football playoffs, one versus four game, you've got to stick with it. Oh, yeah, that would be a good idea. <laughs> you know what? Why not? Just sure. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, I'm not going to be that adventurous. I'm going to go 42 to 13. I think Ohio State, um, even if their offensive advantage doesn't match up exactly against the zone defense of Northwestern, I think they just got way too many athletes on offense to not score. And I do feel like the changes that Greg Schiano begrudgingly made against Michigan by allowing his linebackers to play off of the line of scrimmage and to play some zone of their own. Say what? I I know. Crazy. (laughs) 11 weeks after everybody has been saying it. Um, I think that's something that they learned from and they have to continue to do. So I hope knock on wood, that they continue to do that. And and I think they'll be able to shut down. (laughs) Northwestern's offense is the exact opposite of what you would think a team that could beat Ohio State uh, would look like. They are, get this, Alexis, 124th in marginal explosiveness. Uh, 124th. Isn't there like only 128 FBS schools? I, I don't know what the total for SBS, FBS is at this point, but it's not much more. The only reason I know it's not 124 is because they are also 125th in isolated points <laughs> per play. So oh. I know there's at least one more than 124. So Ohio State's defense, as flawed as it might be, does not look like it should be giving up chunk play after chunk play after chunk play like it has uh, throughout the season. So 63 to 10 from Alexis, 42 to 13 for Matt. Um, Alexis, we've got a couple more things. We it's, it, it's been a big week, so we've talked a lot about that. Let's wrap up the rest of this stuff really quickly. What's been happening in the NFL for former Buckeyes? Just real quick, it's not particularly good news, but three Buckeyes were added to their team's IR this week. Uh, the Bengals added Adolphus Washington with a knee injury. Broncos tight end Jeff Hireman suffered a couple broken ribs and a bruised lung last weekend. And Ooh. he'll obviously miss the rest of the year. That also sounds incredibly painful. And uh, Andrew Norwell, the $66.5 million man, was (laughs) carted off the field for Jacksonville last week Uh. with an ankle injury. And uh, he was expected to miss about three to four games. And with only four games left, the team just put him on IR instead. Yeah, sucks for all three of them. So hopefully hopefully they'll recuperate in time for a training camp in 2019. Also, not super great news. Uh, on Wednesday night, Ohio State's men's basketball team suffered their first loss of the season at home in the Big Ten ACC Challenge. They fell 72-62 to to the Syracuse Orange. Ohio State shot abominably 
uh, in both halves. They only ended up shooting less than 33%. They were 15 of 46, and they were 6 of 22 from behind the arc. On the other side, Syracuse was 22 of 45, uh, meaning that they were shooting about 49% to Ohio State's 32.6. I think the Buckeyes just couldn't see their shots because they were crying over the Thad Mata tribute the whole time. You and me both, man. Seriously. Real quick, before we get there, in that game, Luther Muhammad, freshman extraordinaire who didn't have a great game, uh, but he has been one of the the great breakout stars for Ohio State this season. He had a fall late in the game. Looks like he injured his shoulder. However, Ohio State is not expecting it to be a long-suffering injury. He had an MRI on Thursday, but we have not yet heard the results of that MRI. But the big news coming out of that game As you mentioned, Alexis, Ohio State not only honored former head coach Thad Mata at halftime with a tribute video, but he was there and they unveiled a banner that will hang in the rafters of Value City Arena or when they finally eventually do the right thing and move back to St. John Arena, it will probably hang there as well, recognizing his Ohio State record uh, of 355 wins more than any coach in the history of the program. Uh, Really cool to see all of the players that were featured in that video uh, from Evan Turner to Aaron Kraft, to John Threebler, uh, and some other guys. Really, really cool. Uh, Greg Oden was on the bench, obviously, as a student assistant for Ohio State. And just a really cool moment to see, one, to make this a little bit about Chris Holtman, how smart he's been about right? doing everything right. I was thinking right. that, too. Yeah, and bringing him back. But Thad Mata, no matter what you think about the latter half of his uh, coaching career at Ohio State, is just a solid dude and a good guy. And despite all of the awfulness that's happened around major big-time programs in college basketball never a hint of trouble out of his programs and he won a crap ton of games so congratulations to Thad Mata and uh, really excited that he's going to be a part of basketball at Ohio State forever even if it's just in Banner's perspective well and how great for Holtman to really I don't know embrace Mata and everything that he did for the program and really just bring him in for the future too you know like people who appreciate old school Buckeye basketball are going to appreciate having him around like recruits, for example. Awesome. All right, Alexis, um, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on uh, from Ohio State this weekend. We're, I'm just going to put a link in uh, to the article at landgrantholyland.com if you want to check out what's going on. There's a lot. We're going to skip it. We've talked to you enough already. So we're going to send you out on this now. So thank you for listening to Hang Out in the Holy Land. You can find all episodes of the podcast on landgrantholyland.com, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your daily dose of podcasts. Goodness. You can follow this very show on Twitter at HolyLandPod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMap, and you can follow Alexis at Lovely Buckeye on those social media platforms as well. And you can follow the site at LandGrant33 on Twitter and at LandGrantHolyLand on Facebook. Whew, okay, one more game, Alexis. The game is at 8 o'clock against Northwestern on Fox on Saturday night. But the Big 12 championship game is at noon. So by the time Ohio State takes the field, they will know if they are likely just playing for a Big Ten championship game or if they are still playing for a playoff berth or not. So lots of time in between that Big 12 championship game and the Big 10 game. So be smart with your time. Don't overdo the mimosas or anything else that you might do before the game. Or take a nap. Yeah, naps are naps are always a good option. All right. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Go Bucks. Go Bucks. <laughs>